Hello and welcome to Have Tap Shoes Will Travel. On today's episode, we're going to be talking with Chris Rutledge, who's in town, in Minneapolis right now, in the show, Who Brought the Humbug, which is presented by the Rhythm Street Movement, and it's going to be presented at the Cole Center December 5th through the 15th, and they're right in the middle of the run right now. Buckets and Tap Shoes is making a special appearance in their final show on Sunday, December 15th. The show starts at 2, and you can get tickets at thecolescenter.org. Go check it out. Coles is spelled C-O-W-L-E-S. And it is happening in downtown Minneapolis this week, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And we're going to be talking with Chris Rutledge, who's one of the cast members of the show. He's originally from Alabama, and he lives in Los Angeles, California now. But he is here. He is in town. We got a chance to sit down and talk about tap dancing, talk about his origin stories, talk about his favorite comic book that he owns. He's also an avid comic book collector. And it's been a while since I've had an episode. And so I've got a couple in the can as well. A lot of stuff has happened in the last couple months. We've been doing a lot of different events and I've had the opportunity to do uh, to go to the, see the show Melanized that was presented by Devon Suttles, which also featured Noah Parker Brewington as well as Nina Maxwell. And they did a wonderful show downtown Minneapolis back in October. And so it's been a little while since I've updated everybody. And we're trying to make this more consistent as we move into the next year. We are thankful to Ryan Grams and Uptop Films for allowing us to use the equipment and that has been very helpful for us as we've gotten this podcast off the ground. And he has also had some great film projects that have come up and he's been shooting things. So he's needed to use the recording gear. And so we've we've kind of been playing gear tag a little bit to try to get all the stuff in one place at one time. However, while back in October, the Twin Cities Tap Festival was going on and it was their fifth annual festival. So congratulations to Kalina Miller and Brenna Briley putting on such a wonderful festival every year. This year they had Sarah Reich, they had Brill Barrett, Evan Ruggiero, Michelle Dorrance was involved, Nicholas Young was involved. It was it was a great weekend of tap dancing, learning, and pushing ourselves. And there was a big show that happened during that. As as they often do at festivals, there's always a show and after one of the after the performance we we got a chance to sit down with Evan Ruggiero we hung out in his hotel room and we recorded an episode so that one's coming up soon and i'm really excited to bring you that one because we had an awesome conversation i think we talked for over 3 hours so that's going to be a long episode we also got a chance to sit down and talk with Brill Barrett from Chicago and he's he's one of my favorite tap dancers and teachers. So it was really an honor to be able to sit down and get into some tap history with him and talk about his life in tap as well. We also presented a jam, Have Tap Shoes Will Travel, presented our first event. And it happened at a speakeasy in Minneapolis, in Uptown to be exact. And it was a sort of secret location. But when we were at the festival, we invited people to it. And they showed up, and we had a live band playing at it. It was a three-piece sort of gypsy jazz trio, which worked really well with the tap dancing, I have to say, because there was no drummer. So we had an upright bass player, a guitar player, 
and a violinist. It sounded wonderful. And with the tap dancing, it sounded great. If you want to check out a clip from that, Evan Ruggiero got up and started dancing during part of it. And so I grabbed my camera and started filming some of it. And that is on our Instagram page. If you want to go check it out at Have Tap Shoes Will Travel, that is the Instagram handle. We are also on Twitter and Facebook if you want to check those out. I also got a chance to take a workshop with Mr. Martin Trey Dumas III. He came up here to Minneapolis recently and took a workshop class from him. We did some great exercises. We did some, I, I wrote down some notes about that. I, I don't have them directly in front of me at the, here, actually, if I flip to the page, I'll find it. Here we go. He, we, we, we did some crawling patterns and we also did, a, uh, he, he worked on showing people how to do the quote unquote monster which is a step that everyone likes doing nowadays. And it involves a sort of pullback and a shuffle in the middle of it. And it, it has four sounds. So you, you're, you're on one foot. Say you're standing with your weight on your right foot. You pull back. You, you pull on that one. You shuffle with your left foot while you're in midair. And then you land on it, on your right foot again. And so he was going over that, talking about his Clyde the Glide Drexler sort of uh, analogy and it it seems to sink in when he shows people this so it was it was really good and we worked on some different riffs and it was a great class he he came up here and taught at, at Celtic Junction which is where Ellen and Kathy you know everyone knows Ellen Keen and Kathy Wind uh, from Keen Sense of Rhythm they presented the workshop and yeah it was great to see Trey again he he was recently on an episode so if you haven't heard the episode with Trey yet you got to go check that one out that was an awesome episode that we recorded. And let's see, we classes are underway for the season. Oh yes, are they ever? We're we're setting choreography, we're finishing our choreography, we're getting the final cuts for the music going, and things are coming together, right? It, it's feeling good. Everyone tries to get these dances done before the holidays hit. So how are you, how are your dances coming? Are are you done with them yet? Are you in the middle? Have you have you finished them? Have you are you still waiting to get started? I don't know. Get get going if you haven't started yet because competition season's right around the corner. So if you're setting pieces, you got to get these ready so they can start cleaning them. There's your public service announcement for the episode. All right. So as we talk about that, I've also been talking and thinking about music editing. And some people have ed- had issues with this online, and I've been seeing this pop up in forums. So I thought I'd talk about it for a moment because... If I can help one of you save some of this frustration, I would, I would, it would make me happy. So one thing that I've noticed now with new music technology is obviously we don't have it on a physical CD anymore where we can import that into our CD-ROM drive on our computer and then have access to the song file that we want to cut or edit for our final dance mix. Because you know if you have to fit a song under three minutes... And the song naturally is five minutes. You can't keep the whole thing, right? So we got to cut some of that. Well, on iTunes, or sorry, what do we call it? We call it Apple Music, and we also have Spotify, which are two of the main companies that people will stream their music from. And we pay a monthly fee, which I've loved so far. It's It's been really great. I've, I pay a monthly fee. I'm going to turn this mic here for a second. There, I think that'll sound better. I pay a monthly fee, and then it, I can download any song I want and have it right on my device and I can save it and I can put it in playlists and it's great. 
and you don't have to pay for each individual song. Well, that works great if you don't need to cut any of your music. That also works great if you don't need to send that music to anybody, say via email or via online uploading of a song file for somebody to use later on. What do we do then? A lot of people have noticed that as they try to bring these files that they get off of either Spotify or Apple Music that they're not able to import it into their editing software anymore. And being a DJ, I've also noticed that it doesn't play in the DJ software either that I have on my phone. It won't let me open that file and see the waveform or any of that kind of thing. It tells me that the file is uh, incompatible. And so what do you do? What I've realized, and you know, I'm, I'm a little bit old school, so I've always kind of been this way anyway about purchasing music. I'm a, I'm a fan of doing that. And I think that people need to be compensated for their work. And I've got music for sale online too. So, you know, if you, if people would purchase that, I'd, I'd always prefer that over somebody streaming it. But, you know, either way, I'd, I'm glad you're checking it out. I'm glad you're listening to it. That's great. But the way that the artist actually makes some money off of it is if you purchase that song. And if you're cutting a song together for a dance, you might have to buy a song or two. What is that? It costs you two bucks maybe, right? You have to pay a dollar per song. Great. Well, that is also the solution to being able to import that song into your editing software now too. Because if you go into the actual iTunes store and buy the song right in there, I've had great luck with that because you can then drag that song out onto your desktop and that song is available to edit now because... It, it you purchased it so you, you actually have that file to cut whereas before it's kind of on loan you can't you can't go messing with that song you have to listen to it in its entirety and you're done so if you've had this issue if you've been trying to download songs or import them from either spotify or apple music those types of things and you did not pay for the song outright then this might be a solution for you either you can go purchase that song as a CD somewhere and import it into your computer. That's an option, which then you'd probably have to buy an entire CD. So then now you're going to go pay at least 10 bucks for that. But if you go onto iTunes, you can just buy it for a dollar. And then that will let you edit that song. You can, you can also email that song to somebody else and it will work. So there you go. There's my second PSA for the episode. I also had an issue recently trying to move songs that were playing perfectly fine in a Dropbox folder. I moved them over to a flash drive. It was like a small USB thumb drive that had four gigabytes of space on it. And I transferred the songs onto that. And I started playing the songs in about a minute in. They start having really loud glitchy sounds that aren't supposed to be there. And when I looked at it, in my DJ software, I could see that the glitches were part of the song now. So that whereas they played fine in Dropbox, played through no loud sounds at a minute and five seconds, when I brought it into the 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 version that I had saved on this thumb drive, it has a glitch right at that spot at one minute and five seconds for whatever reason. And there were four song files that I put on this USB drive, and in various areas, all the songs have an issue of this sort of glitchy noise. So I think I'm experiencing an issue with my drive, and I'm not sure exactly what happened, but it's an older sort of USB drive, and so I think, I don't know if you've ever had this kind of issue. If you've had issues with these types of things, write in, because I'd love to hear some more information about that if you have any insight into this, but 
I, some questions that have been asked of me are when I moved those songs over, did I properly eject the drive, you know, from my laptop when I took the drive out and I'm pretty sure I did all that stuff correctly, but I'm going to try to recreate the issue again and see if I can figure out what the exact reason for that is. It's either that or else I feel like the drive is maybe corrupted as, as one article was saying, like sometimes drives kind of become corrupted or the files themselves. And I'm not exactly sure why in the transfer that happened, but that's a thing that I guess can sometimes happen is that song files can get messed up. And then even though they play perfectly in one area, the version that you copied over might not work perfectly. So here's the solution for that. I would recommend when you finish exporting a song, always listen through it all the way. And then when you're going to send it over to somebody else, and if you have it on a USB drive, listen to it before playing it, you know, for, for the public. Listen through it at least one time so that you can confirm that that song is good and that you, you might also catch, who knows, you might catch an editing mistake or something that didn't sound right and you have to go back and fix that. But always give it a listen all the way through before doing it. There we go. I, I hope that's helpful to somebody out there. As we're moving forward, we've got all this technology that we're dealing with, and it is a sort of thing that allows us to do what we do, but it also is a thing that can prevent us from doing what we need to do. Meaning, if I don't have a way to record a podcast or have a place to plug in all the the microphones and all these kinds of things, then that's going to prevent us from being able to put another episode up. I have a couple of options here. I can either record it directly into my phone at times, which I, I might do a few test episodes with that thought in mind where I'll record them into the phone, which might not sound quite as good as these nice microphones, but it will make it so that I can keep the podcast coming. And then another thought is to at anchor.fm slash have tap shoes will travel. We have a spot on there where you can make a donation to our page. We are currently raising money to purchase a, a new sound recorder, some headphones, uh, two pairs of headphones, and then two microphones as well. And we also need to get some kind of accessory types of things like mic stands. I have, I have one mic stand. I've also got the cables. I've got uh, some, addition, you know, I've got a laptop to cut the stuff on currently, but that could also use a, an upgrade. But the point is if you're able to make a donation to the, to the podcast, that would be greatly appreciated. Any amounts are definitely uh, welcomed and we are very thankful for any amount that you would throw our way. And we are continuing to put new episodes out into the new year. And after today's episode, I've got two already recorded. Like I said, I've got one with Brill Barrett and one with Evan Ruggiero, which we are just finishing editing and putting the final touches on those. And those will be coming out very soon, before the end of the year. And yes, so these are some announcements that I wanted to make at the top of the episode Wow, what a show we have in store for you today. Holler. Okay, so I'm going to have a quick word from our sponsor. It's not going to take very long, I promise. I, I went through this and I, I did it really quickly to make sure that this doesn't take very long. And then we're going to be back with Mr. Chris Rutledge. Hey, this is Brill Barrett, and you're listening to Have Tap Shoes, Will Travel. Nailed it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. 
Hello and welcome to the Have Tap Shoes Will Travel podcast. We are so thrilled to be here in Minneapolis with Mr. Chris Rutledge. In town from Los Angeles, California. Here performing at the Cole Center. Cole Center. With Who Brought the Humbug. Mm -hmm. Just opened last night. We did. Which was on Thursday night. Mm. Tonight is Friday. And I'm going to try to have this up within like as fast as I can get this thing going. So then it'll help uh, let people know about who brought the humbug. And we got plenty to say about that one hey, coming up. Man. Yeah. How you feeling? I'm doing great, man. I got to tell you that, you know, I'm excited to be here, like you said, for real. And I said, you know, I'll pause on that for a second. So many people say that they're just excited. Oh, excited to be here. We're excited to blah, blah, blah. It is a genuine excitement from myself. And I think that anytime you can find genuine excitement, like that's a phenomenal thing, right? Yeah. Just excitement to be somewhere or just the the buzz about it. I love this place. As you know, I've been here quite a bit over the last 15 years. Which so is many in times. Part to you and to the group of people that you and your brother kind of had and, and the people that are involved in that, but we won't go too far down that thing yet. But yeah, man, we're here. And like I was telling you earlier, it, there is something to me being from Alabama and living in LA, you don't get, you know, we don't get snow and we don't get that white Christmas feeling, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? So for me to be here right now, like towards the holidays and the snow, dude, it, it's a, it just feels phenomenal, you know? Yeah. Today's what is it? December 6th. Mm-hmm. There's like this blanket of snow on the ground. Mm -hmm. And last week, I think it was on Wednesday or Thursday. It was Wednesday. It was the day before Thanksgiving. Yeah. And it snowed. Mm -hmm. And then the plows got shock tested for the season. They're like, <laughs> okay, we're ready now. Friday. When I, when I flew in Friday, too, it was like it was, it was coming down. So yeah. I got to... I got the experience because that I've never been in a blizzard. I lived in Montana for a little bit, so you get a little bit of snow. But sure. just to just to come into town when there's already some there, and then this just like it coats everything. You know, I love that shit. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's they know how to handle it here too. So I feel like if I'm flying in and it's a snowy situation, mm -hmm. I'm I'm usually not very nervous about that. The plane usually kind of pops around a little bit as you're coming in, but. Yep. I was talking to the people from LA from that where it's like, you know, I was looking on the 10 day and it was like the weather could be crazy, you know? And I was like, it's fine because these people are experienced in this. They know how to plow. They know how to plow. And for real, this is no joke. The town that I'm from in Sheffield in Alabama will literally shut down not only schools and businesses. There, it, what's the best way to put it? There doesn't have to be an accumulation of snow on the street. No. Like, uh, we're talking a dusting on the yards. And they would just make the call, Rick. It's the craziest thing I've ever nope, seen. We're, we're not going out. Nope. nope. And not only that, <laughs> the only places that people visit are like Walmart. And literally, they do the most cliche thing. How do they get there? Bread and milk is gone. Oh, like they... You, they, you they flood down to the stores. They flood down. Stock up on supplies. It's hilarious. Oh my god, this you know? is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, Minnesota. Well, we have Walmart's here too. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I assume this does happen here as well. Uh huh. But it, there are degrees that you know. It seems like sometimes people are trying to hold out and wear a pair of shorts as long <laughs> as they possibly can. You might see people out on the street tonight downtown wearing shorts because they're still trying to hold out. Yeah, the, uh, uh, what, what do you call it? The resistance is different to y'all. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, it's not, it's not winter yet. 
Y'all done that, man. I've come up here when it's been like 26 degrees and I've been like, holy bananas, what's going on? I can't deal with this. And y'all are out like in a little, you know, like a long sleeve t-shirt and a toboggan. Not for too long, though. Not for too long. long. Yeah, but you know, it's like no issue about it. Like I have a problem even right now, even though I have some experience with this, this weather. I have a problem with like over preparing to go outside. Yeah. And then once I get outside, I just get super hot. Yep. And I'm just screwed because I have on too many layers because I thought it was going to be so ridiculous. It's just too much. It's a guessing game right now for me, I think. I went down to Texas this last summer and it's really hot down there. Mm. And I don't know if my blood is made for that. That's the thing. That's what got me. Mm. I, it, it, I flip around and if I go to a place that's like a really hot climate, I find that I overheat. It's I'm impressive. Like, Man, I gotta, I gotta get in this shade. It's like I walk down the street and I'm calculating the next spot where I see shade again, <laughs> and I'm aiming right for it. The walk is. I a might have to slower. go a little out of my way. I'm gonna get under that tree. You'll find shade. You become like a Jedi Knight at finding and going and hiding in shades. True. I'll walk in the left lane right at somebody and make them dodge <laughs> out of my way so I can stay in the shade so I don't die in Texas. It's oppressive, man. It's super hot and it's super humid, and you just can't run from that. You can't. You can't cool down from that. Great. It's so difficult. So now that we were done talking about the weather, yeah, jeez, God, we're getting old, let's, dude. Let's Are kick you it kidding off me? Talking about the weather, jeez. Okay, so I've got. I, I wrote down some notes just so I, I don't forget everything. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. This will give me some ideas. <laughs> We've known each other for a while, but I think it dates back to California, two thousand one. Mm. Yeah, that's correct. Um, I met you guys through Nick, and you guys, I think, were coming out there for an audition for, I want to say it was Caution Minute Work. Yeah. I think that that's the reason that you guys came out to, to L.A. That was part of it. I think the other part was that we went to Finland earlier that summer. Yeah, and that's right. Instead of paying ourselves to do those shows, we paid for an Oakwood apartment in was it Burbank or what's that area? Yeah, for sure. It's either, it it may be considered universal city. Yeah. Um, or student, I'm not really sure what it, what it would be right there, but it was off of Barham off of Barham. And for those (laughs) of you don't know, the Oakwood apartment system in Los Angeles is a fairly famous little, little resident place because it's literal, like one, a studio, one and two bedroom apartments, fully furnished, gated community, gated, Apartment complex, exactly, with all the amenities. So if you are looking Multiple to come to pools. LA, Aunt, what that? I think they had three pools in the one. For sure, they did. I think it, each building was like A, B, C, and I think it went all the way to Z. I wouldn't doubt it at all, dude. It's gigantic. Yeah, there. yeah. But it's fully furnished, and it's it is more expensive as you guys knew, um, got to know per month. Right. But you can literally just kind of go see if that scene is for you and, and have a place to stay now with Airbnb. I, I wonder if that thing's even obsolete, you know, if it's obsolete now because of all the deals you can get online. You know? That's a good point. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's changed just like how for cab companies mm. and Uber and all mm-hmm. this. St- yeah. But anyway, that's why y'all, uh, at least that's the reason I know y'all being out there. And we actually met, um, because they were, y'all were doing 10 foot five. Yep. And y'all came in and... You were doing was, the Disney California Adventure Yeah, dude, me park. and Nick had that... Th- what a crazy gig that was, you know? You look back at it now and you you see the technology going, kind of starting to be involved with our art form, the, you know, tap dance? Yeah. And I think back to that gig and, homie, we was doing MIDI triggers, you know, we had eight MIDI triggers on a giant drum set. And yeah. it was like, what could have 
been spawned out of that show could have been an unreal jump in, in the tech, technological side of right. maybe our art form. Maybe it wasn't time for it. And you Did, make was it Alfred involved? Alfred Desio involved think so. with that? I don't No, I, I don't even know if he was alive in 2001. Because I know he died. I thought he died. I'm not sure, man. I'm not going to okay. make a claim. But I don't think uh, Alfred was involved with that project. Okay. Because we didn't... There was no... Uh, pickups or, or middies in the actual shoes as he would have probably Except for done. The, yeah in the movie tap like he's the guy that designed the ones that were in the movie mm-hmm. in the film mm-hmm. and at that point they were still wired so the, the the place with gregory they you know they overlaid it later on because the only system oh, really? they had yeah he was still wired at the time so he had a if i'm correct a wire i think coming that off of the back dude whatever. he had mad what you know that some of the pictures of him or he would he had to be like within six feet or four feet or something of the system because everything you know all four plates had wires coming out of them so he couldn't run around the room in the same kind of way with how not he to my had understanding I may be wrong on the timeline as far as what he had going on sure but from what I remember especially for the movie tab because that was what eighty nine or something yeah, like that it was right so uh, I think he was still wired there for sure yeah but what a crazy thing to just to be able to conceive and then he made it happen right he like really now, did when it. you do this like do this math 89 we just said that right mm-hmm. what year are we in now how many years ago was the movie tap 30 years ago right right That's craziness 30 years ago yeah and Man. some of them cats could still cut you right now you know what I mean like yeah. they could just get at you yeah it's crazy people it's crazy. in their 70s can do this and that's what that movie showed me at the time I was like man People can do this and really excel at it and do really well at it mm. and still be in their 70s, 80s. And still be on fire for it, too. Yeah. You know what I mean? And still love the thing. And, you know, just uh, before we jump on it or, or jump off of it, that movie, at the because I hear this saying in my head all the time when I think about that movie. And, and I, ha- I, I had not started tap dancing before I saw that movie. Yes, yeah, so that that was the thing that I wanted to do too. So, at, at, we were talking about the California Adventure for a moment, but uh, I would like to ask you tell us a little bit about your background before you even got to that point. And I think it sounds like this would be a nice segue to get into that part of it, like just to hear mm. your background in tap and what first got you into it. And is that part of that origin story right there? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's one of those. So I'll, I'll try to make it a concise thing. I played baseball growing up. I played sports growing up, so I didn't dance in high school. I didn't dance. The only thing dance that I did is when there was like a talent talent show at the at the school, or yeah. you know, like there'd be one of those talent shows at the skating rink. You know what I mean? And you'd occasionally go in that and do your little kicks and you know whatever, and just kind of groove it out. So that was the only thing that I was really involved with in dance growing up. I played baseball. I thought I was going to get a baseball scholarship. I did not get a baseball scholarship. I ended up meeting this lady, Lisa who owned a dance stu- studio in Alabama, oh. right? And, um, I mean, met hers in the sense that I started understanding who she was. Like, I'd always known her because she lived across the street from my mom. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So she was going through some drama, and she would stay up late at night, as artists normally do, especially, yeah. a, you know, a dance owner or dance studio owner. So she'd be up late at night. And at the time, I was working at a restaurant after high school, and I was, like, one of the only ones up late <laughs> and mom was like, yo, it was before I moved out of the house. 
She was like, look, you're up late. Lisa's up late. If you can just kind of go over and check on her, make sure she's okay because she has some trauma that happened in her life. Sure. And so I just went over there and we started hanging out and drinking wine and just like she would be like, you know, hey, have you ever met or sorry, have you ever seen this movie and this movie? And, you know, it was the first time I'd ever seen Gene Kelly on film. And it was the wow. first time I'd ever seen Fred. You know, this is, we're talking 99. And... And then the movie Tap came on, and she put that on, and it was over after that. It was just over. I don't know how to – yeah, it was just over. But but before I forget this phrase, the reverence for the hoofers yeah. I think is one, one of the things that's been the lasting uh, – a lasting impression on me is like how much reverence there was for this idea of a tap artist and, and kind of what their – purpose of the dance was and and that it was okay to be different than say a showy whatever was the most popular at the time mm-hmm. you know and so just kind of the, they they touched on it a little bit you know he's a hoofer he's not one of those third floor dancers five six said lati dot you know yeah. what i mean like for me that made a separation in my head yeah. and, and that that idea of a person resonated with me before i started dancing mm-hmm but it was that, like, I for real felt a connection to that concept and to that spirit of the dance before I I knew. And and Lisa, she was a hoofer as well. Yeah, you know, at uh, at heart. Which I mean, I think the the main one of the main differentiations in that would be that you're thinking of the floor like it's a drum and you're playing like a musician. Could be that. It's for not. Sure. To, it's not to say that Broadway shows don't have musical tap dancing in them. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's like. Some you know Henry Latang did some amazing stuff that was amazing yeah. you know you know chorus girls and these types of things too so it's not to say that that's bad work yeah for sure so there there's a lot of different styles and it's it's kind of like with music there's good music and there's bad music mm-hmm. there's good dancing there's bad dancing and as far as when you differentiate between a hoofer and maybe um I don't know a chorus dancer of mm. sorts mm-hmm. might be um the hoofer might be thinking of themselves a little bit more like a musician rather than the visual aspects of it as much. Right. Correct. I Which I still think hoofers think of the visual aspect of what they're doing too. Well, I think for a lot of us, it may be secondary, right? But I think yeah. in today's society of where the dance is, I mm-hmm. think a lot more tap dancers or a lot more hoofers even are more consciously aware of the space around them. Sure. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Yeah. Rather than being like, oh, they have to hit lines. It's, you know, I, I think that we're just starting to be able to embrace all of the sides of the dance more so than being a, a, of a particular mindset about how the dance should look or sound or whatever. Sure. So, so what think, attracted you to the hoofers when you watched that movie and you saw that? Well, I think some of it, I think, was the camaraderie of those humans that did this thing. Yeah. That it was just like they had this thing that was in them that they all acknowledged yeah. was in each other. Sure. And so they just kind of was like that that brotherhood, so to speak, you know. And, and I found that a lot with you guys, which is why I think that I was so fortunate to find you guys so early in my tap dance career. Because y'all were about that. Y'all yeah. were about the collective strength and trying to utilize each other's strengths, even at a young age, which I so applaud you guys for. Um, there were hurdles, but you know what I mean? That it, yeah. it always felt like that was the, th- you know, the thing, the tribe, you know what I mean? The soul tribe, whatever. Yeah. 
But I think that that was one of the bigger things that attracted me to that uh, was the camaraderie and the connection of those guys. And then, as you know, and as I think you feel as well, it, it was it was it, it felt like a spiritual connection to music and dance mm-hmm. for me. And I think that that may be the best way to put it. Um, looking back at it now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice. Did you find a, a specific scene in that movie? Like when you think of that movie, what well, scene comes up for you? Scene. The challenge scene, right? That's like the main scene for me. It's the craziest one. But I also really like the opening where he's tap dancing to the drips of water. That got me. Does that really connect to that? And yeah. I know a lot of other dancers sure. that would have watched that also understand what that was. It's it's bigger than just drips of water. It's like you're hearing rhythm all through the world, and now you just channel it through your feet. He was basically jamming with the sound of a faucet dripping. And not only that, and I didn't really understand this until later in life, but I think he was showing us a panic attack and mm-hmm. some severe anxiety. And I think that that's what it was. He was literally in a box and they had put him in a box and there was no escape from that box. Yep. And the only escape he had was after he went through this panic attack or this whole, something affected his whole character his being in that moment and then through some something there's the there's the water drops and that's what he cued on to and then it starts with the scat right starts in the head then it starts with the scat and then it's like then your toes start to wake that's it then you gotta get up then you put one shoe on then the other shoe on you start start moving the one shoe before you even have the other one one. But that's it, man, and that's part of the magic of what you know, music and dance for I think us is the absolute physical and conscious ability to change our chemistry. Mm-hmm. And it sounds simple, but if you're ever in a really bad mood, you do have the power of choice to change your chemistry, to change your energy. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it was like if you if you go through a panic attack or severe anxiety because you're locked in a box and you feel trapped, you can make that choice to find wherever the rhythm is. Mm-hmm. You know, our heartbeat's a swing beat, so it's also the go. rhythm seeping in. Yeah, but, yeah, back right. into his life mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. the the hit song from the whole film is "You Can't Escape the Rhythm." That's like during the credits. Can't escape the oh, rhythm. <laughs> Right? That's wait, like. Wait, wait, wait. Do it again. <laughs> Can't escape the rhythm. <laughs> Dude, it was like saying though, man. Part Gregory and part Michael McDonald right there. Yeah. That, that's me. That's an ultimate touring guy right there. Get a little growl at the beginning of it. <laughs> Can't escape the rhythm. <laughs> With the one earring flying. I always oh. love the one earring, man. Yeah. On the left nice. side. On the left side, yeah. Now, so people what, in Alabama. What was the, why was it always such a dangly earring? Was was there a look great on stage like in said, the lights though? I feel like he said something about that in an interview. I don't remember what it was though. I feel like I gotta look that up. Mm, I'm not sure. I don't know that I ever heard an explanation for that. This is how you know we're kind of a lower budget podcast because otherwise you would have like a sort of intern that could look it up for you <laughs> right then and flash like, it on the screen. What? Here's what I learned. <laughs> well, you know what? Get out of here. You're three. We're, yeah. we're fine right now. If you if you would like though if you would like to see some growth in this podcast we would love to also continue that upward growth if you want to check us out on anchor.fm slash have tap shoes will travel you will then 
there's a spot on there where if you want to chip a little in the bucket, you can. There, you can throw a tip in there, or you can make a monthly donation, or however you want to do it. It's like NPR. Any little bit counts, and we're appreciative. You know, we we love your love. We love the love. All right. Love? So we we've got we've got the beginning part. You started to learn how to tap dance after you started watching these videos, and then you got into the studio. You started working on some sounds. What was one of the first steps you remember learning? A shiggy bop? No, no. It, you know, it, the shiggy bop. <laughs> Known as the shiggy bop, 1999. Uh, no, I think for me, it probably would have been like the first one that like made it, uh, Cincinnati. I think it would have been the Cincinnati. Yeah. Yeah, because it was the first step that we could, I could roll and it, it, it was an actual thing. It wasn't just me trying to fiddle faddle and yeah. make stuff up. It was an actual set thing. And and the play with the heels felt natural to me, so I think it really sat well yeah. in my body, you know? Um, yeah, the, the, you know those whole, the first nine months is kind of a blur from the dance with me like that because we started... And then eight months later, I was competing. Oh, no, sorry, sorry. Started tap dancing, and three months later, I had my first competition with LADF. I don't know if all you guys met LADF. Was it LA Los Dance Angeles Force? Dance Force. Yeah, 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 for sure. They had it popping around that time, and I entered into it already kind of in awe of the whole scene because it was just like those were supposed to be the dopest people in the industry yeah that was there in person now you know even though i didn't know that i yeah. knew that they were there was some gravitas to their presence there you know what i mean and they like sat behind the table and gave autographs and it was just like you know greg russell was one of the guys and sure and um and you just put Adam on shoes Parsons. for the first time three months ago yeah wow so it was just like this whole it was it was almost like um you know there were celebrities to me at the time you know, many celebrities, like there was no YouTube then. So it was like, you couldn't, the only way that you could get their material was like the VHS tapes that they had from, yeah. you know, with the edge started doing it like that. But yeah, a couple months later did that. And then a couple months later did company dance and competed a tap solo at it, you know, whatever. And then nine months after I started tap dance, I went to LA for a job at Disney. So it was a crazy little transition. Oh. It was really luck of the draw, and and you know what? This, what age was that? How I was nineteen. Nineteen. Yeah. Man, I was nineteen when I got. It was about. It was about. When you started tapping. Seven eight months after I started tap dancing, and, and was at company dance, and there was a, a tap dance teacher there, big tall black dude from L.A. So it was like a big deal, right? What was his name? Greg Poland. Greg Poland. Greg Poland was there, and I didn't know him. I didn't, you know, I didn't know anybody's name. I just knew these were the the, the people. So he was the first teacher you saw in L.A. That you no, we were in like Memphis. It oh. was like a, oh. the competition was in Memphis that weekend. Man, and we traveled there. Me and mom and my dance teacher Lisa, and like you know, what a trip to my Put mom. Put on your blue suede shoes and boarded right. the plane. <laughs> That's a quality pull right there. That's a quality pull. Yeah, but we drove it. Man. It was close. We're driving to Memphis. <laughs> <laughs> to go to a dance comp. Wow. Did you visit Graceland then? Nah, dude. Who can't, who, I didn't care about that. No it was about that. company dance. You know what I mean? Did your mom like Elvis? Mom didn't really, mom didn't really dig music that way. Oh. 
it was a, it was kind of a shock to me when I look back at it now that she's such a, she was such a, a passionate woman, but she never really got into music oh. and, and she would, she would have music on just to have something on in the background. Yeah. But she never did really get into music. Not, not very many people that, that was in her generation were really like big music lovers. My uncle Bobby was, he had, you know, he had collections of uh, Elton John stuff like that. And he went after people that he liked specifically, but it wasn't like all of our family would do a jazz night or, you know what I mean? Sure. They weren't really into, into music like that. What did you hear growing up at home? Like what kind of music was playing? If, did you ever hear any style going on? Like what? Yeah. When we would have, when we would have like parties or get togethers over the house, it was at the pool. So most of the time it was the radio that was on. Sure. So most of the time it would either be like a top 40 mm. country station or whatever like that. You know what yeah. I mean? I grew up with a lot of that on with the country stations on. Have you ever tap danced to country music? By choice. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not very into country music at all. It's a listen. You can dance to anything, right? And if it Absolutely. moves you, you can move it. And and yeah. uh, ooh, I like that. If it moves you, you can move it. But um, a lot I of people that, are very into like the thought of everyone should be dancing to swing music all the time, and they're they're very adamant it's a hot about topic, these things. Isn't it? It's a hot it sure topic. is. Yeah. You know, I've the th- I've had a few thoughts about this too, though. Like we are tap dancers, and we say we're thinking of the floor like it's a drum. So. At what point do we limit drummers to saying you can only play swing music on a kit? Mm-hmm. You would not have cumbia music. You wouldn't have like so many different like sort of Latin yeah. rhythms are not swinging. Yeah, I think that there's, there's, and I do think with tap dancing, there's a connection to how we shuffle and things like that when it's swinging, and it gets it in your body in a different way too. Yeah, and I've and I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Like, why would it be so important to do that? And I do feel like learning it is very important. Mm-hmm. I do feel like, too, that there's a point where you should be able to explore other styles of music, too. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. <laughs> right? You know, I, I think that I think that as you know and as you've experienced the, the muscle memory and, the, and the, the, the fast twitch muscle fibers that needs to happen in order for the sounds to be a swung and a musical thing, it will it. There is a different feeling in your body and the way yeah. that you have to shift your and hold your weight. Absolutely. Yep, right. Exactly. But it's like, OK, always hold that in your pocket. Always come back and, and make sure that you can swing and be in the swing and feel good and have mm-hmm. thoughts in the swing, you know, but let's not let's not limit ourselves. You know, I think that 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 may be. Maybe in my opinion, the 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 mistake in some of the message sometimes where it's like, no, you're not like you're not a real tap dancer if if you're not only dancing to jazz. And I think that I don't know how many people actually say that. You know what I mean? But I think that just the idea of being like, this is my opinion about what this is, and I think this is a really important aspect of the dance. But listen, do whatever you want. Yeah, it's all love. It's all in the expansion of what we all love. So to to kind of put any kind of dampening or limiting effect on that, I think is a mistake to our industry as a whole. That's how I feel about it. Well, as an instrument too, like if you think of it like an instrument, what other instrument do we say you can only play this kind of feel of music on that instrument? Homie. It, like it, people it, can swing on a harp if they want. You know, <laughs> there's no problem with that. Well, it's interesting too, because in swing music, straight time rhythms work just as well. And you can play in both worlds during swing music. It's usually like a rolling triplet, but it's straight. 
Yeah, you know what I mean? You definitely can make it work. So it's not as if like most people that that are dancing swing will just stay in swung rhythms the whole time or swung phrasing. I think if you're consciously making that decision, that's okay. Mm. Mm -hmm. And it's still hitting on the one and you're still you still are conscious of where you are within the phrase. All that stuff is still obviously important when you go out there with those sorts of things. Mm hmm. And to kind of loop back around to what you said, I grew up, the the music that I would hear yeah. was rap music because it was my music. Right. Because nobody else was into music like that. And I really, the people that I grew up with and the, 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 the town that I was in, we had a lot of black folks and white folks. We had a little bit of Hispanic folks, but that was it. Mm. And so when people of our generation went to music it was usually beats it was usually rap it was usually hip-hop music that's just the way it was yeah and that's what i connected to first and so my exploration through whatever music i'm into now and sometimes it's been jazz and sometimes it's been trip-hop or sometimes it's been electronic (laughs) like who knows you know what i mean but at least my exploration into some of the music for me was started by hip hop. And I think a lot of people maybe in our generations could be in a similar place. Sure. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. A lot of hip hop you swing to anyway. Yeah. A lot of the beats are swinging. Absolutely. So, you know, it's all music is music, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ray Charles. And when they're program, when people program a drum machine, like mm-hmm. the old Akai beat machines and things like that, when you're making a mm-hmm. beat, you set that in it. When you set the tempo of what you want your song to be, you set the beats per minute, how fast you want it to be. And then you set what degree of swing you want on it. Mm-hmm. If you want it to like, what percentage do you want huh. it to swing? No kidding. So there's like a, there's a whole sort of number of how, how deep it swings. Gotcha. And then if it's at zero, it's not swinging at all. It's just, you know, more straight feel than and then it's up to you to play, you know, the placement of where you put the kick and the snare and everything else as you build your beat. Mm. But you can put that in in machines, like when you're making a hip hop song, you mm-hmm. you set what how you want it to swing. I didn't even know that. It's yeah. fantastic that it's a, a controllable option. Yeah, I'm going to tangent for a second. Good. And I want you to tell the people if you haven't told them already about pink dates. Pink dates. Yeah. Dang. I does that, like does that phrase ring a bell to you pink at all? Pink dates. Yeah. That's not something that grows on a tree, is it? <laughs> that you eat, it's got kind of a sweet taste to it. Mix it up in a banana smoothie. Oh my God, I just spit on the table. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never get a pink date if you do that. Ever. <laughs> a pink date. Gross. You're ridiculous. No, pink dates. Is pink that like dates. a date of the... I don't know. I'm... Flashback, flashback to 03. Okay. Maybe 02. Let's fly back there. Fly back. Coon Rapids. Oh, apartment man. complex. Yeah. You're setting up the business. You're doing right. 10 foot five. You do buckets and tap shoes. Oh, pink dates. Pink when, dates. In the calendar. There we go. That's a calendar reference. Yes, it is. The way I would code my calendars mm-hmm. with highlighter. When you buy highlighters, they usually come in a four pack. Mm. And you get one of each color, typically. Or you can just buy one that has all yellow. <laughs> but... Usually you would get a pack and it's got a yellow one, an orange one, a pink one, and a green one. Mm-hmm. Sometimes a blue one, which I find to be fairly useless. I love a blue on a on a on a piece of white paper. Other than that, maybe useless. Yeah, I mean it just makes it more dark for me. I'm like, why did I just make it harder for myself to read this? <laughs> it's ridiculous. 
Maybe I need a black pen instead of a blue pen. So much thought into it. Yeah, there's a lot going on. So in my calendar, I would mark any dates that were a show. I would highlight those pink. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this the reason why it was so impactful for me, it was was kind of the first idea of a bigger thinking for me as to how this was made into a business. Yeah. Because I had no idea. I was just still... Like, how do you get as many pink dates on the calendar? How do you get pink dates? Yeah. How do you get pink dates, right? And that was the deal because you did it. You did it on the monthly calendar. So two weeks away, you know how many pink dates you got. Right. So, you know, then you can start the plugging in method that we know it now in our blueprint of business. Right. You know, it's just it was just a, a really revolutionary thing and probably a small thing for y'all because y'all were in the process and it was evolving as you went along. But I just thought it was a really it was like, yeah, yeah. OK, yeah. OK. We just got to get pink dates. I got to figure out how to get pink <laughs> dates. And I carried that on for years, man. And it was a lot of green like, dates too. That green dates were teaching. Oh, see, I didn't even know how. Like my regular class teaching were the green ones, mm. and then if it was a specialty thing, like a master class workshop kind of thing, I would do it in orange. I love that. I love that. See that. And then if you're just flipping through your calendar kind of quickly, mm-hmm. you can kind of see when you get to busier months, you don't have to stop for too long. You would just see the different colors and then keep flipping. It's huge, man. I think that that's not that that's an overlooked thing. I think we're all getting better at it at this point, you know, in in time. But for an artist to be organized in their business thoughts and in their business goals, mm-hmm. uh, I think is such a huge thing for growth. You've probably experienced that. Yeah. The more organized you've gotten and whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's a constant battle mm-hmm. to be organized and run a business and then also manage the rest of your world too. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, trying to look out to the future and figure out what's, how do we put dates on the calendar in the future? Yeah. All those types of things. Yeah. There's, there's always something to be working on. Pink dates. Mm. So back so in the old. day you had, you had a few, uh, green dates. <laughs> now didn't, there was a time where I remember Sarah Reich came to On the Rocks oh at the Roxy. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember that night? Oh, yeah. We had, <laughs> we booked a gig out mm-hmm. in California, mm-hmm. and it might have been, I want to say 2005, maybe. Sounds about right. And so I guess that's 14 years ago. Woo. <laughs> 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 What a and, weird transition. And we were yep. out there, and, and Sarah Reich was there, too, I remember. Mm-hmm. Like, she showed up with her full, like, her father and her mom was there. Yeah, she, I think, if I'm right, she was probably, like, 14 or 15 yeah. at the time and had and to get into knew, the club with her parents. Weren't you working with her at the time, or you were at a studio where she took, or how did that, how did she even know that that was going on? Well, no, I think that either Andy knew her or there was some way that, that oh. she knew y'all or y'all knew somebody. Maybe it was Diane or something. I don't know what the connection okay. was. But it was like she knew because y'all had all, we, we had also done a show at, now, now, let's see, now it's called the Avalon Theater. At the time, it was a key club. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, or it was the carnival. We, we did a carnival Choreographer's night. Choreographer's carnival. carnival in L.A. Yeah. It was in Hollywood. Uh, no, 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 no. We were at the key club off of, oh, I'm going to blow it. Wasn't Sunset, that where the I carnival think. was at the key club? Yes. Yes. Now yeah. it's in like Hollywood proper oh. by the Capitol records building at, at a place called Avalon. Okay. I but, never went to it, but I know Andy but you did. performed in it. Cause Andy we, did. we did that one. Oh, 
we did the carnival. And I think it was the same week. We had That's done the right. carnival, and then we had the On the Rocks. On the Rocks is is the top part of the Roxy yeah. uh, Rock and Roll Club in yeah. L.A. It's like on First Sunset. Ave, but it's out in California. Yeah. <laughs> it's a huge deal for the rock scene over yeah. there, or for the music scene, right? So yeah. uh, above them, as you know, they have a little bar at performance area. It's kind of like the black box. It's like the 7th Street entry as compared to First Ave. There we Ave. go. There we go. That's a quality call right there. Yeah. So it was like the small stage. It was the small stage, and it was the one like, that they let the tap dancers from out of town just go upstairs and start <laughs> wailing on buckets. And we had uh, Duke Gad. Jeez, monster. and then you—he Jeremy. was on drums, and then I think it was Jeremy, Jeremy was on bass. Yep. You were tapping there. Yeah. I think we had a piece of wood that you brought from your house or something like a. Was it like a black countertop? or yeah, something? Yeah, there was like a countertop. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We didn't I mean, have a proper wood you know what i mean we just made right. it happen whatever yeah but yeah so whatever we fits were jamming car, we were time. jamming yeah and it was like y'all were doing i thought you would have like maybe it was a student or something at the time but maybe no, not of mine, no. yeah okay yeah I'm well like, you know what it was <laughs> i knew her because we had taken the same classes at edge at the time okay because she would come in and drop in every once in a while as like a 12 year old or 13 year old right and just blast everybody you know <laughs> On Saturday morning tap class at the edge, you know. Yeah. So I knew her that way. Sure. And then she came in just it was so pure, you know what I mean? She's such a pure person, but it was just like this little teenager who just wanted to get down, just yeah. wanted to tap dance and just wanted to like be around musicians and whatever. She's just ripping too. Just ripping, dude. Just <laughs> nasty. You know? I remember We're the guy there. the guy who ran the place, the guy who booked us was named Stick. That's what I remember that that guy's name, and yeah, that's right. Yeah, man, they don't pay out of town acts much for coming down to the on the rocks. At least back in those days, I'm sure many tap dancers don't make much money at that spot even right. to this day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wonder how many tap shows they've had in there since. <laughs> Everybody guess. We'll all say the same number. <laughs> Ready, yeah. go. Jeez. All right. So, so that. So we we did some things out in California before, and then there was some stuff in Sedona, yeah, man. in the past too. Didn't you Didn't you just recently go there? Or I, you know, I've recently? been able to 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 I don't know occasionally visit Sedona because of Donnie, yeah. our buddy Donnie out there. Yeah, and uh, he's been out there, and at, at one time he was just you know the reason why we were able to go out there because he was kind of the the guy that was making a lot of stuff happen at the music scene over there. Yeah. And it was a cool. What's up, Donnie? Donnie <laughs> Webb, the Webman, the Donald, the Dewey, the Dizzle. There, I remember the there was a, a place in Sedona that they had an open jam. Mm-hmm. It might have been a Tuesday night kind of thing. The or brewery, something. I think it was. And there was a there was a drummer guy named Chicken Wing. <laughs> remember that guy? No. His name was Chicken Wing. He used to like. I think he might have hosted the jam. <laughs> Is that really that guy's yeah. name? The yeah. chicken, chicken wing is his name? <laughs> Man, that was a different kind of part a of Sedona. I don't know if I went there. Strange drum kit set up, but... The Vortex will get you, son, over there. That's the strange thing about doing open jams. Mm. You got, like, one drummer, and I kind of feel like a lot of times those drummers like to set their kit up a little funky just to throw people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They make the, the you have to sit there with your legs a little too wide or something. It's always like a weird stretch you got to do just to hit their tom tom. No, no, no. I like to sit my tom upright. <laughs> you know, like if you go into an open jam, like a blues jam, you got your guitar. You're gonna come plug in. It's 
it's one thing you can plug into the amp and whatever you can mm. jam out and it's still your guitar but if you're gonna go as a drummer first you gotta dethrone the drummer that already is sitting up oh there my god and they're usually not wanting to get up too much and then they're like dude you bring your sticks what do I gotta bring? What do you gotta bring everything to this jam? Yes. Don't use my shit. Are you gonna ask me to take my tap shoes off? I gotta bring my own cymbals to this too. Jeez. You gonna borrow my tap shoes? Do you want? Do you want anything else? Is there anything else I can do for you to come play music with us? How needy are we? Jeez. Well, it's it's fun to find these situations where we were able to tap dance in situations where people don't always find it and have it pop up out of nowhere. Homie, we did a place, I don't know if you remember this, but I, I remember it because I f- recorded it on um, on DV back in the day, but when we was out here doing something in 2002, maybe it was before the Stillwater thing, we tap danced on a wood floor in a three-star restaurant, I think it was either in Stillwater, Minnesota, or somewhere yeah. downtown, yeah. and we just like bum-rushed it, gorilla style, and we, I don't know how we were even <laughs> able to do that inside a restaurant. No, we weren't outside on the corner like normal, somehow y'all had penetrated the shield of the food and beverage organization and was yeah. just like, no, just we're going to rip it right we, here. We want you guys to come in here and do this. So ridiculous. Yeah, it's it it's amazing. strange because nobody really wants me to come and play a drum set for them. But <laughs> <laughs> if I come walking in with a five-gallon bucket, they're they're ready. They're like, oh, we got a show now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got tricks, you know what I mean? You've built up the trick repertoire, you know? What a crazy thing, man. Like playing for real. beats. That's all we're doing is we're just playing beats. And 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 thirty years later, like you're able to still be creative and maintain uh, a career in this industry, which in yeah. itself, in my opinion, is almost one winning the battle. I think what I'm doing now is better than anything else that I've done before. That's as far as like steps and like improvisationally. Yeah. Yeah. Rhythmic ideas. Yeah, to be able to say that. It's also nice, too, when I set choreography on people. I've been doing this lately where I'll see, <laughs> I'll set some choreography, go away for a week or whatever. You know, I might only see them once a week. And then I see them again. I'm like, oh, man, that actually looks pretty good mm. the next time you see them. Jeez. Mm, uh, you know, I love that feeling. When people put in the extra work, yeah. it, it, changes the, it changes everything. It changes the connection. It changes your perception it changes the energy of the thing and when people actually do homework and that's another kind of negatively used upon or or, or negatively impressioned phrase is homework right. i hated it but it's an actual fantastic thing if you yeah. do your homework and you stay prepared and you keep the muscle practiced mm-hmm. like it makes a huge difference and whenever you have any of you students that are out there that are listening if you get somebody to choreograph a solo and you put an hour in on that solo by the next time that you see them it changes yeah. their whole attitude towards you yeah you know i even say like five to ten minutes a day yeah fair if fair. you can just do five to ten a day Done. i'm not trying to ask for like a huge chunk even though you're coming to me because you wanted that mm-hmm. piece in the mm-hmm. first place but consistently each day for short amounts of time is better to me than once for like an entire hour just one time oh man yeah but yeah. if that's all i can get go for that sure great if you have one day you just have a lot of time and you're able to do it for an hour awesome to speak on what you said a minute ago about um <clears throat> the way that you go about choreographing things now or the way that you see or feel the dance differently or the material comes to you, what what do you feel like is 
the biggest difference between you now in your process and maybe you 15 years ago? Hmm. What will limit it to, say, choreographing a, a solo tap dance? Now we have, we, we make videos of it more. And mm-hmm. not even me, because I'm not trying to shoot the video of students on my own phone. <laughs> you know, yeah, I see yeah, yeah. I see teachers doing this all the time and you know, whatever, do your thing. It's it's you have to run your thing how you run your thing. Sure. But I would rather have them if I'm gonna if I need to see the dance, I'll have them film me. They can use my phone like they hold my phone while they get me doing it. Yeah. Or I have them shoot it on their phone. Of course. And yeah, just do that. And take the clip and mm. then they can save it however they need to and they know where it is. You mm-hmm. know, they that that seems to work fine. Yeah. And, and I'm not f- worried about them like stealing choreography and putting it anywhere. I'm giving you the choreography. Yeah. Here it is. Yep. You, you've already either compensated me for that or, you know, whatever it is. Which is another valuable trait for young dancers. If you, if you want to know some of the priority of skill or, or things to learn, being able to learn combinations off of a video on a phone yeah. is, I mean, not that it's not been as valuable but dude everything that's how everything is happening yeah if you get hired for a big production show they're probably going to send you some videos before you get there to make sure you do your homework right to be on your stuff before you get there so to be able to like kind of train yourself in order to do that regardless of how you got to do it, if you got to set up a mirror in front of your phone so you you know so you're not trying to do the right hand for the left hand or whatever it is oh, you know yeah. do what you got to do but try to make that a practice skill where you can have the ability to absorb that material from a phone video because mm-hmm. that's the way we're that's part of the way that we're doing it now you know yeah and i had a hard time adjusting to that for real and i've gotten better at it in the last couple of years but man what a difference it makes to just be able to ask somebody yeah i can make that happen yeah just send me the video give me a couple of days and i'll be able to to be right there so then the next so the next time that we're in the same room we can be productive and we can progress forward and i don't have to worry about me not knowing the material now sure. i definitely have to get better about it but it's like that is a a, a learned skill as well that yeah I think is super valuable right now yeah that's that's one thing that i was going to ask you too because as you've been working on who brought the humbug you've been uh do you need a kleenex no, 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 I'm good. Thank you. you. Good? Sorry. Uh, no, I was the old cold, you know, from from L.A. to M.N. You know, gets you a little dry behind the face. Oh, <laughs> winter gets you dry. Just Love it. Period. Love if you want some water or something too, I got some over there. I got the ginger, the ginger yes. tea here. Yeah. Yeah, we stopped by the Wedge Co-op mm. and got some hot toddies, Just quality. as they say. Ginger, fresh ginger, fresh turmeric. We had to put a little black pepper in there because it makes the turmeric. Uh, more bioavailable to your body immediately huh well that's Fantastic. what they say that's what they say it makes the black pepper makes it so that you take in the good stuff with the turmeric i don't know who they are but they usually have a lot they, of authority they them there mm-hmm. they well the people in the health and body care area and i don't know i've read random things about it but the basic thought is if you put the black pepper with the and so it has anti-inflammatory properties mm. and i've been noticing it it helps like after a long night of teaching or something if yeah, i have sure either turmeric supplements and then CBD oil supplements, things like that. They help, but I, I feel better. The, the the times that I really notice it though, are when I don't take it. Yeah. If I, makes sense. If yeah. I like have a, like I ran out of some CBD oil and then I didn't have it for a couple of days and then you start to feel like the creakiness kind of come in a little bit. No kidding. 
Yeah, I think hmm. it, it it's helpful. I you know I just went to see this chiropractor and it's a um, a technique that I found online after some research about sciatica mm. problems which I don't have personally but I was doing research about it and there was this technique <laughs> that I found I don't this know this is random like, research about sciatica yeah, you know I just figured I'd spend some time on <laughs> sciatica <laughs> but they found this technique in this specific uh, chiropractic way it's called the Gonsteed technique anyway. Oh. I've been having crunchy knees for a while. Like if I if I bend my knee and then straighten sure. my knee and then yeah. bend it again, I can feel like I've this crunchy. I've heard that's not a bad thing. Really? Yeah. That would be great news. What, what have you heard? Well, at least the chiropractor that I went to said in my specific case, because he was feeling my knee and feeling with the placement of the patella. Yeah. He was like, in your specific case, your quads hold tightness a lot. And he goes, it, it's the quad that's pulling the patella up. Sorry. Yeah. The patella up to the tibia. Oh, and so it's like getting a little bit of pull on it, maybe too much up. And so that's where the rubbing's coming in. So he was like, mm. really try rolling out your quads way more than you do. And that should be able to relax it. So it is in a more natural of a place and you won't have that rubbing. Wow. I know this could be some boring stuff, but for dancers, do you want to use there, the foam roller over there? Oh, I got I bought a stick the other day, kid. It's on like Donkey Kong. You know what I mean? The old, the old like police stick that rolls in the middle. You know? Oh, really? Yeah, dude. I'm, sort I'm, of a rolling pin looking thing. Yeah, yeah. Except it's like you know neon green and black, so it's cool, right? You know, <laughs> textured ergonomically. Rollomatic five thousand. <laughs> but who brought to to finish the point? Who brought the humbug? Yeah, the, um, were, one of the only as reasons you were learning. I was able to to kind of come out here and be a part of this amazing show which i'll do the quick plug because you live 2500 miles away that's correct yeah it's quite a quite a long drive is the video and that's how i was able to get the the material and he was able to do it in enough time to where i was able to to do that and that's when it you know i started to turn the the corner on being like okay this is the way it's going to be this is the best way for me to prepare Mm -hmm. learn how to do it learn how to learn from a video right and so yeah just to put a cap on that it's valuable all the time for us that are not always in the same city right when you have to do productions or material or whatever so yeah yeah it was huge for me and who brought the humbug is just a phenomenal show you guys if you're able to be in the minneapolis area uh anytime between now and the 15th of this month um, this specific week, this is what the six we said. Yep, this is Friday. Tonight, so yeah, we six. have today, tomorrow, Sunday, this week, yep. and then the following week we have Thursday through Sunday. So it's your dark on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. <clears throat> That's correct. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna have uh, eight more performances, and it's a it's. I don't know if anybody knows this, but the the way the show was was created was Ricky would have a Christmas party every year. Yeah. And he would just, you know, how he is, and he'd theme it. He would just be like, everybody show up in red and green, and let's just have a good time, and great music, and friends, and atmosphere, and blah, blah, blah. You right. know how Ricky is. Yeah. So everybody, re- you know, red and greened it up, and, you right. know, tinsel, and necklaces, and <laughs> lights on their face, and, you know, whatever. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, and it was just, it seemed, I guess, a natural transition into making it a stage show. And so, yeah. so it's a full-on party now with choreographed dances and some fun moments and you get to make out a little bit sometimes maybe in the second half but you know it, it's uh it, it's just kind of an ode to the vibe of being together and found finding out who brought the humbug to the holiday party right because we all have a humbug uh-oh and uh that's where the the plot thickens is we're on a mission to find out who brought the humbug yes yeah, so, so there's the show. You you it, you were here last year for it as well. They, it was presented last year at the Lab Theater. That's correct. Different location. Now tonight it's going to be at the Cole Center. Cole Center, which is spelled like Cowles. For I those do of it every you that time. 
And it's spelled C-O-W-L-E-S. Mm-hmm. And it looks like the word cowls. Yeah, thank you for that. And I actually, uh, I've, I met a, comp- a couple recently that just got married. What was their last name? Cowles. How did you spell it? C-O-W-L-E-S. <laughs> so that is a thing where it is pronounced in this way. <laughs> For some reason, it's confusing, but... The people that gave all the dough to the call center, <laughs> whatever, for whatever right. reason. That's right. That's how they do it. So add the W. Could you go I'm and thankful add the, for them. The w. I'm, I'm thankful for the place being there. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful theater. It really is. They're, they've got tap dancing happening in there. It's the same place where the tap festival happened earlier. Oh, in really? October. Yeah, the, that happened there. Didn't know that. Okay. Kalina presented shows there. Mm-hmm. So that they, they're supportive of that. That's always great to see. And... It's a union house, so mm-hmm. it's it's presenting work on that higher caliber where you have a union crew helping you with your show and yeah, making that come to life. And and everybody, you know, the, uh, we're thankful. I, I know I'm thankful for this particular crew that's there. Is It seems like everybody, you know, pushes, makes the push for the show to be better, and that's part of their job, and that's what they do, and we're thankful that they at least show some type of either connection to the vibe or the energy or whatever. And so it kind of, you know, we see them wanting to – contribute to the overall thing of it and whatever it is that needs to happen. It's been cool. So to be in that space, uh, I think it's big has been an advantage this year and, uh, we're just going to keep going as far as I know. It's a, it's a strangely laid out house. Maybe not strange is the right word, but it's fantastic because it's, it's a good capacity. It's got five Oh five seats, mm-hmm. but it feels really nice and, and intimate. Like the, you know, it's, it's close right there. The, the yeah. balcony and everything is kind of pushed forward. So it's kind of like the Southern theater used to feel to me. Yeah. You know, like we were on the floor, but everybody was right there. It just felt like everybody was within connection reach. Yeah. That, yeah. that was intentionally part of the design. Originally they had it over a thousand seats in there ah. and it was, Scaled back because they wanted to make sure that every seat had a good line of vision. Success. Yeah, it so seems. it was designed yeah. so that it, every seat was good. Yeah. The thought shows, you yeah. know what I mean? They've got the orchestra pit and they got the whole... Yeah, because we, you know, the in part of this show, we're able to kind of break the fourth wall a little bit and actually have some interaction with the audience, which yeah. is great. That's what we come from. That's what you guys, yeah. that's the culture that you guys help develop. And, and I think it's a, a huge thing as far as a show and the dance is us to really be able to connect to the people that we're performing with or performing for. So I think spaces like the, um, the Cole Center is, is a great design in that sense. And I think the, the thought of it is paying off because we feel like we're able to connect with the people is, is we're hoping they feel the same way towards us, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's nice space. Yeah, dude. Okay. So I have a question. How do, how do people contact you? Do you have a website going? What's, what's going on? You know, I let the website go cause I was doing the tap paintings. I, right. I, I make paintings by tap dancing on canvas and I've been doing that for over a decade now. And under the name, the tap artist, under the name, the tap artist. Right. Right. Um, but I think the best way now is just usually through the Instagram and the Instagram oh. is Juba. J-U-B-A. Okay. Rutledge, my last name, R-U-T-L-E-D-G-E, Juba Rutledge. What made you select the name Juba? I'm glad you asked because I want to make sure that I'm clarifying for people that may have an issue. (laughs) Juba, as it's defined, Uh is a master of percussive dances. And we all know the name Juba because of William Henry Lane. Master Juba, Juba Lane. And my... Because I'm not only fascinated with tap dance, the the body percussion aspect of the world of percussive dance got introduced to me around 2007. 
Yeah. And it's so it's been a thing you've been, you've really excelled at that one too. Well, it was a natural, I, you know, to be honest with you, I think a lot of tap dancers would be able to have a natural transition over into this world of sure. percussive dance, you know? It's almost difficult to tone your feet down. It's almost difficult to kind of make your feet be more simplistic because we just want to get it done, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, <laughs> but yeah, man, it's been it's been a cool thing. So I, my the reason I chose that is that's my that's my mission. That's where I'm looking to go. That's my goal is to at some point try to be a master of these percussive dances that I'm at, yeah. that I'm in. Yeah. I, I don't consider myself a master in either one of these art forms, but that's my goal. You know yeah. what I mean? That's why I, I kind of put Juba Rutledge out there. So um, I have mad respect for Juba Lane and, and for doing the things that he did in the 1840s. Cause even in the 2000 teens, I've had insecurity issues and, and fear based issues with not just being a tap dancer, not mm-hmm. being a pure tap dancer, you know, because I hear the other stuff and I feel the other stuff and I, I need to be true to me that way. Yeah. And, and I, I just think that for him to do that at that point in the 1840s was just crazy. I like, you know, it, the, the, the great writers couldn't even really describe what he was doing. You know what I mean? And, and, and how, intricately involved the body was with just the feet, not just the feet, but dude, he was mashing people over there. They had a, they had the, what the world's best dancer dance contest, 1848 with him and John diamond. Right. Yeah. And dude, the winner of that dance contest received $500, $500 in 1848. Would oh be, there's no telling what it would be right now, you know? But anyway, the point is, is just that, do you think they went and popped crystal that night? For sure they did. And it was on it was on Juba. You know what I mean? Juba was like, Come on, I got the I got, I got my speakeasy right over here. <laughs> no, I got some. I need to learn you. more about that story though. Like is there do you did you read a book or anything about this that you know about? It was probably a, an an online search decades ago. Okay. You know? Yeah. yeah. I, I wanna look up more about Master Juba. I haven't I know that there are a lot of articles and things online about that. I can't remember which famous I know that there's a book about it too. Walt Whitman or somebody like that who who that was part of his writings that's where you know he described him dancing in like a london tavern i think it was yeah and that was part of you know he could he really almost couldn't describe what it was going on because it wasn't just like a tab dancer (laughs) and it wasn't just somebody up there like clapping a rhythm you know from the writings it was he was using his whole facility sure so plus if you had never seen tap dancing before that and all mm. of a sudden you're just watching it yeah did you ever see that with a kid you start tap dancing in front of a little kid and they're like I don't even understand what you're doing and then you show them the bottom of your foot and they go oh, and then they get what's going on <laughs> it's like they, they I like watching that like that mm-hmm. process mm-hmm. even adults will do it too you show them your shoe and then they'll be like oh yeah yeah they've yeah. never seen that you know it's funny because those dress shoes from back in the day used to have metal in the front and the back when they got worn out. So it was oh, a weird yeah. thing, right? Just there was an age where there was a short time where they would repair shoes that way. Sure. And I was like, where? What kind of sounds would that be walking around the city? Click, 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 click on the cobblestone step. <laughs> All right. So what are what is it? Do you have any favorite tap quotes or like sort of uh, approaches or philosophies that like stand out? Any like basic thoughts about tap dancing that you'd like to share? I think mine was because 
Well, first off, the quote from me is just find the one. I don't know who said it. Everybody yeah. said it. You know what yeah. I mean? But that's one no, that, that's I always, that I always kind of hold on to because after I started tab dancing and then I moved to L.A. and then met Nick and then met you guys and I started coming up here, all of you guys, regardless if you were tab dancers, you're musicians, especially you and your brother. So to start coming around you guys and then all of the other people that y'all had in the band and that played music with us and with y'all, it was immediately for me being trans, uh, 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 trained in music theory, even though I didn't know that. Oh. And so I know people get this, you know, where they get, they, they're, they're trained in the dance or whatever. And then they're around musicians or whatever, whatever. But I was fascinated with understanding how to count, how to understand meter, yeah. how to be able to feel certain things and, and to know the difference between swing and straight music, which was a huge revelation for me. Mm-hmm. Just that. To be able to understand what a rhythm was just based on hearing it for a minute. And so I think being around you guys, it was a, it was a huge thing for me to just always. And since that time, there's probably not much music that I've ever heard mm-hmm. that there's not a part of me subconsciously that's counting and figuring out the meter, you know, yeah. ever since that time. It, it annoys people when I'm in the car, too. I'll be like, oh, that's in 6-8. Yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> who cares? Yeah, I do because it's been driving me nuts over here. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, dude. It's it, it, just that concept. Find the one. Yeah. And I think for us as tab dancers, it, it's a it's a huge it's a huge token to, to keep in our pocket. And that was that was like James Brown and Parliament Funkadelic and funk music in general. It's always talking about getting on the one. Yeah, yeah. And then everything else can happen in between it, and then everyone has to hit the one again. Mm-hmm. Well, a big thing for that for me, and like I said, I grew up on hip-hop music and and bass-driven music and things like this, and for me, I'm learning, after I've been in in the dance for 20 years now, I'm learning that I am a heavy one dancer. Mm-hmm. And I, by, I guess, my nature, I like to start my phrases on the first beat being a strong downbeat. By mm-hmm. nature, that's what I do. Boom. Yeah, right? Boom. Did you right? ever see that video of Bootsy Collins? He's he's explaining the one. No. Oh, it's beautiful. Oh. I'll send that to you later. He probably goes. If you just look it up on YouTube, it says Bootsy Collins one. I'm sure it's going to pop up right yeah, away. Done. He's probably got diamonds on that. He basically yeah. just tells you what the one is. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I knew what basically the one what was. we're talking about right now. That's yeah. that's what he was saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dude, you know, I mean, it's a simple concept, but it will always keep you on the one. Yeah. Just from, you know, I love that one. All right. So we have, did you ever meet Seth Rogen? (laughs) I love that. That was a question that was written down on a list over there. No, no, I haven't, but I think that I could maybe be the Seth Rogen of tap dance. Perfect. (laughs) My brother and I were once described as the Nirvana of tap dancing. Oh, wow. I, I really, Took huge uh, delight to that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, something especially, about that was like kind of great. Especially like, you know, 03 to 07 for sure. <laughs> Seth Rogen of tap dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see you and Seth Rogen do a duet. Listen, I'm open if he's teachable. <laughs> Have you ever been to Muscle Shoals studio? Jeez, dude.
What a connection that is. I'm from Sheffield, Alabama, which is a town that is directly connected to Muscle Shoals. Muscle Shoals has one of the richest music histories in our nation, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah. I had no idea, Rick. I had no idea. <laughs> I mean, I knew that there were musicians around town, yeah. but that's one of the parts of irony about uh, our little quad cities down there. People don't play live music. I mean, not that they don't, but there's not a plethora of places to go to hear and to play live music. Sure. Even though they have some of the most famous recording studios in history. Right. In, in the important annals of music history. You know, it's like I grew up with a baseball, within a baseball throw of um, Muscle Show Sound. Wow. Yeah. And it was right and you there. played baseball, so you could have hit it. I could have hit it. Right over the cemetery from mom's house. Man. Yeah, yeah. I could have hit it right there. Like, the stones were there. Aretha was there, homie. Right. Like, I could have been riding around in the cemetery playing baseball, whatever. You know what I mean? Like, right. and they were right over there. But that movie, the documentary that I think maybe you're referencing, that there is a documentary. On Netflix. On Netflix called Muscle Shows. And that movie has so many shots of the town that I'm from Sheffield. Oh. So many shots of that movie is around Sheffield. And so many of those musicians that are in that documentary live in Sheffield. And I've seen them at church and I've seen them at the football games Man. and never knew that they had this past of record of being these, the session musicians that these people wanted when they came to town. Yeah. I never knew that Man. because it, it's not, it wasn't a heralded thing. Like you didn't, I don't know. They're just rare to find in in in, in the town, or, or rarely they don't speak of it. You know what I mean? That's probably why those people came there to record. Most likely, they weren't it's, being that, mobbed by all these other people. That's definitely part of it. They had to get away somewhere else where they could go relax and think about what they want to write. Absolutely, dude. Are you kidding me? Like you could you could move in silence. Yeah, you know, just just do whatever you wanted to down there. And there and we absolutely threw parties in hotels that they stayed in without us knowing it you know what i mean so it was crazy town but that town is so rich in music history and such and so rich in soul that that's how though in my opinion that's how that music was created it was just soul driven and that energy and whatever and i'm kind of sad that it doesn't get more respect in real time in public places there mm-hmm. uh, that it doesn't get the the reverence that it that it deserves i think um but it's there you know <laughs> what i mean those people are there and so i think that that without being from there i wouldn't be who i am in the dance for sure right. without even knowing and without even like really doing the stuff there you know I, i'm definitely i am who i am because of that place and i think really to cap that off from watching that movie muscle shows it really kind of made me proud again of being where I'm from and, and not trying to be like, oh, I left that place because I didn't have opportunity there and it, it just don't accept me. And there's a lot of the truth to that. Sure. That I probably couldn't do what I'm doing living in that state. Well, it sounds like a, a lot of musicians probably couldn't either because they don't have a place to perform. Yeah, correct. And yeah. so there's maybe Limited. lack of venues. Yeah, correct. At least in that sort of a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... I'm appreciative, but I also know what it is, mm-hmm. and I, I'm, I'm not trying to change that place anymore. Yeah. I'm just trying to accept and appreciate. You can be kind of proud of that place then. For sure. <laughs> Knowing for that sure. Some, some of the world's greatest music has been recorded there. Yeah, it took me a long time to, to find that pride, I think, and to actually feel that, you know? So, as I'm sure all of you guys that are from Minneapolis here, from Minnesota, there's like that, that pride that you feel from this place, because... 
of what the place is and what the collective of people do. Well, the Minneapolis sound and yeah, dude. I mean, Prince's contribution to the world of music and so many others that have come through here. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's it's a huge thing to be proud of where you're from. All that Janet Jackson control album, all <sighs> that stuff was recorded in Edina, Minnesota. Yeah, just get right out of here, you know. <laughs> the song "Funky Town" came from here. Banana cake, right? It's banana cake. So. Yeah, I mean, they've they've done some things here too, so that you can feel like the place is legit. Yeah, you know, like they, they like music here, mm-hmm. and that's that's also you come from a place where people appreciate it, then and you, you guys embrace the artist or the artistry here too, and and I've always appreciated that about this place. I've always felt that about this place, regardless of if you've had struggles here being an artist of mm-hmm. any type or whatever, as far as making a living and stuff like that, yeah. just to, just to know that there's opportunity in this place and there, you can find a place to where somebody will appreciate what you do because people are for the most part really open here yeah. for the our artistic side of the world. And so it's a super appreciative to have been able to be in this place multiple times and to, and to get that feeling, you know? Yeah. So, it's awesome to have you back here again. Yeah, dude. Anytime. What what time are we looking at? What, what, yeah, I'm probably gonna have to get it out of here in a couple of minutes. Yeah, we we're gonna have to. You have a show tonight. Show in two hours. You've got a call time coming up. That's right. So, and let me see what else. Did humbug Cole Center. Hum. Who brought the humbug who, at the Cole Center? Who, and who, who, who that is actually gonna be the song that's gonna be playing too. I I Ricky sent me the who file. The so thank you to Ricky who, who, and the Rhythm Street Movement. Who brought the humbug crew? Uh, for for giving us some music for the podcast episode today. In addition to Mr. Chris Rutledge, a.k.a. Banjo Rutledge, hey. as it says that on my phone. And so uh, do you, what is your most prized comic book in your collection? Hunter Killer, the Hunter Killer series that was done by... Uh, oh, I'm going to lose his name right now, but... Um, Basically, there's uh, that whole series, the Hunter Killer series, is about using your powers, understanding what your powers are, yeah. and using your powers. And I have uh, an exoskeleton tattoo type thing that's on my body because of the ultra sapiens that nice. are in this comic book. But that's what I got from it. That series, use your powers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to to send it out, right? That's it, man. Because I don't know if there's much else on here that I really need to, you know. Do do what's next? Do you have anything that you want to let people know about that you have coming up? I uh, I'm a tap judge, or I'm a um, a, a dance adjudicator, or yes. I judge dance for uh, Spotlight Dance and Starquest Dance right now, and so that's what I'm doing around the the place. I do choreography, tap, and body percussion. I teach every day or every Tuesday at Edge Performing Arts Studio in uh, in Hollywood. So that's where I am. Y'all can catch me there. Where I can always come to wherever you are, and we can always lay down dances and vibes and all that jazz. So yeah, uh, just like the business is, you know, like have tap shoes and we can travel. So we're absolutely. Up, you know, it's even a hashtag. It's a perfect hashtag. <laughs> oh, okay. okay. So uh, on this last note, what is I know for a long time while you were in California, you delivered flowers. And so I've got a, I, what is one of the strangest, fairly quick stories of one of the strangest flower deliveries you ever had while you were delivering flowers around LA? 
the one that's popping up right now is I had a huge arrangement. It was about a $450 arrangement of Cymbidium orchids. And if you guys know Cymbidium orchids, they're very hardy and they're very colorful. They're vibrant, right? <laughs> and this was a floor plant. They're, they're, they can be about three feet tall and just super dense. And they're, they look like an alien. Wow. It's crazy. Cymbidium orchids. And the lady that I was working for, she was a private, uh, private florist to the stars. And anyway, she gave me this uh, big one to to carry to this house, to this delivery. And it was in Brentwood. And, you know, Brentwood is just a huge area of wealthy people. Right. And I ended up walking in and um, I was in, I was delivering this like $450 orchid arrangement <laughs> under submerged in water in this crazy glass arrangement and whatever. And it was Bruckheimer. Jerry Bruckheimer. Wow. So that was the clientele that this lady had in town. And it was wow. like, I tell you what, famous Hollywood the, producer, director, dude, they yeah. all passed her information and got flowers from her. And she, her quality was crazy. And I learned quite a few secrets and tips about how to keep flowers fresh and, you know, Ooh. things like this. So I got some valuable information from that, but do you have a tip that you can quickly tell people how to keep their flowers fresh? What's, yeah. What's the when secret? You, when you first get them into your house, soak them in room temperature water. So the veins open up. Oh. And then change the water to cold water after you've hi fully hydrated them for a while. Oh. There you go. And then keep them cut every couple of days. Because that constricts the veins back up? Yeah, exactly. So you fully hydrate it and yep. then you constrict it so it, it stays longer. Brilliant. Changes everything. Man. There you go. Yes. <laughs> I have a feeling tonight's going to be an awesome show. It's going to be a great time. It's yeah. show number two of how many? Nine, I think. Yeah. Nine or mm -hmm. so, whatever, however many it was. A couple yeah. dress rehearsals, there whatever. Yeah. Man, so good. This is going to be a lot of fun, and I'm excited to jam with you guys on the 15th. We're, Andy and I are going to be performing with you guys. And in your final show, Buckets and Tap Shoes will be joining Who Brought the Humbug on Sunday, mm -hmm. December 15th, 15th, 2 p.m., matinee. And then we're going to tear up the town after that. Oh, it's going to be Start crazy. Start throwing TVs out of the hotel rooms. <laughs> You know what I mean? Money we're gonna, out the window. We're going to rip it up like we're Guns N' Roses or something. You know, throwing money out the window like Ecuador 03. <laughs> oh, God. See, I, I feel like we need to, we're going to need to get another recording session part in. Part two. Part two. We, so we got things there's to There's plenty do. to talk about. There's plenty to talk about. All right. Thank yeah. you so much for thank being you, here. Thank you, brother. Have Love an you, awesome show tonight. Love you too, man. Have a good one. Thank Peace. you. Peace. Peace. We'd like to thank the Dancing Fair at dancingfair.com. Go check them out if you need some custom tap shoes, if you need repairs done to your shoes, if you need dance wear, if you need some new tights, go check them out, dancingfair.com. We'd also like to thank Uptop Films and Ryan Grams over at uptopfilms.com. They can make a commercial for you. They can edit your videos. They can do so much for you if you, anything that is visual media related, Give them a call, give them an email, send them a message and tell them where you heard about it. Go check out uptopfilms.com. We'd also like to thank Ricky Milan and the Rhythm Street Movement and the cast of Who Brought the Humbug for the music on today's podcast episode. We'd also like to thank Mr. Chris Banjo Rutledge for being our guest and for taking some time to hang out and talk with us and share his stories. And that's what this is all about. We're sharing stories. If you would like to continue hearing more of these stories, please go check out anchor.fm slash have tap shoes will travel and make a donation. If you're able to a year end donation to the podcast, we're going to keep this rolling into the next year. We're going to have some amazing guests coming up and I'm really excited for these upcoming episodes with Mr. Bro Barrett and Mr. Evan Ruggiero that are also coming out 
this month. So thank you so much for being here. If you have questions, if you have, if you have comments, send us an email, rick at havetapshoeswilltravel.com. That's rick at havetapshoeswilltravel.com. And I will reply to them. I will read these on the air if you send them to me. I would love to hear from you. Let me know how you're doing. Let me know a new step that you've been working on. We'd love to hear from you about that as well. All right, everyone. Have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you all soon. Bye-bye. Did you run into a traffic jam on the way to the ball? Did you find yourself alone as you decked the halls? Did your peppermint crush forget to give you a call? I know you ain't alone. Did your belly get big? Did your nose turn red? Did your fancy dream machine become a broken sled? Did the sugar plum fairy forget to dance in your head? Oh, I know you ain't alone. What you had to say Did old man Potter Take your dreams away I know You ain't alone Did you hang up All the lights Then blow a holiday fuse Did the sidewalk salt Destroy your favorite shoes Did you wake up To a stocking Full of holiday blues I know You ain't alone Did you grab Your phone purse And it you scurried on out the door But did you check all your pockets Perhaps you grabbed something more Will Travel. 
the podcast hosted by Rick Osland, is available on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, Pocket Cast, and Anchor.fm. Connect with us today on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.